Chicken strip. Let's do it. Ross Stripling from the San Francisco Giants joining us right now. All right. Hop into the all-star debate. Yeah. First, Ross, yeah. you've been catching some of this. Give us your thoughts. Well, I love what Kratz said. Let's get Lamont in there. I uh, watch that guy walk out there every day and play, and he's been beat up the last month, and he's still going out there and, and uh, rocking like a nine-something OPS, getting on base uh, basically at the start of every game. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of an excitement. Uh, you know, I think that's a cool mix, but that's not – this isn't the uh, exciting – game the you know all, all-star excitement game this is these are guys that have earned it these are guys that have gone out and had an amazing first half and it's really hard to do uh, another one just that i see every day logan webb takes the ball every fifth day he might be leading the big leagues in innings and uh, not an all-star you know and now you, you're talking about letting a guy in there that's played yeah 25 really cool games he's hit for the cycle but he hasn't uh you know logged the equity of a first half of a season that some of these other guys have why do you guys not have more all-stars San Francisco, not big enough market. You guys don't have enough fans. <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, I tell you what, man, we, we, we're disappointed for sure. We think we have four or five guys that deserve to be in the game. Um, Camilo Duvall, our all-star, definitely deserves. I think he's leading the big leagues in saves, certainly in the National League. Uh, he's going to come in and throw 103 miles an hour. So if you're talking about excitement, there you go. And then, um, you know, between like J.D. Davis, Tyro Estrada, Lamont Wade, and Logan Webb, we all thought those, you know, four guys would would sneak in there. Well, maybe at least half of them. And that's not the way it's shaken out so far. One or two of them might squeak in there. Um, but, you know, we thought they they should have got a, awarded by merit alone, but that's not the way it works out. That's That goes to the point that we're talking about, man. It's really, really hard to, to make an all-star game. Uh, all-star games, they are hard. I understand. I'm more of – I, if I'm a first-time fan coming in there, now my first year watching the game right now, and I hear about this Ellie Dana Cruz. I hear about this guy coming and doing this. He's batting 308 right now. He's got a little over 100 at bats. I'm not saying Lamont doesn't. Lamont deserves to be there, of course. But if I'm looking for like, ah, I can't wait till this guy gets up, and the number one guy that comes up to me is Ellie Dana Cruz. No, man, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you're not right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I get it. He would be really cool to watch having a bat or two in the all-star game. There's no doubt about it. He, he, I mean, in the minor leagues, before we got up here, we were hearing all about him. He's got the, the hardest throw from shortstop in all of baseball, big leagues and minor leagues. He's got the highest exit velocity in all of baseball, big leagues and minor leagues. And now he's coming to the big leagues and shown it. I'm certainly not saying, I think he's going to go make 10 all-stars for the rest of his career. Right. So it, I think it's coming for him. And uh, the sky is like, you know, I mean, the, the future couldn't be more bright for that guy. I just think there's people right now that would die to be in that game that have probably earned it slightly more than he has. And that's I guess that's the only point I'm trying to say. No doubt. But right. what if there, what if what if we had what if we had and just just think along with me, if we had a skills competition, OK, and they had everything for every big leaguer to be able to be at this skills competition that you could enter, what skills competition would you want them to create so that Ross Stripling could show up to Seattle and show his skills off at the MLB skills competition? We should try and get the ball moving on this skills competition just to see the agents come out of the weeds and see how crazy they would go. Uh, Scott Boris <laughs> would be hopping onto this. Somehow he'd be hacking into this chat saying, what are you guys doing? Shut up. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a good question. My greatest skill, uh, the, the late, how, how I don't know what what is it like um, where you can like shoot the wings off of a fly or whatever. Like if I have one comp or one skill, it's like my ability to hit locations with different pitches. So it's like, all right, strip. I'm gonna put a nail sixty feet six inches away, and I want you to hit it with a curveball. 
I don't know. I could maybe do that. So that's cool. I'm not going to do anything sexy. I'm certainly not going to enter the sprint competition or the spin rate competition or the below competition. But if you're talking about put nails in different parts of the strike zone, you got to hit it one with a slider, one with a changeup, one with a curveball, one with a heater or whatever. I think I could uh, compete in whatever the heck that kind of skills competition would look like. I think that's cool. Yeah, I like that. I do. It's like a command contest. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm into it. Hey, Ross, take me inside the clubhouse one more on All-Star when you're saying, hey, we feel like we've got four or five guys, whatever it is, that should be there. Do you guys get pissed? Like from the other day when they make those announcements, and I know there'll be some replacements over the next few days, but do, do you guys say something in the clubhouse? Like is there frustration? Do someone go up and talk to them? Like, dude, you deserve to be there. It's bullshit. Like is, is it a common topic in the clubhouse this week? Yeah, yeah, big time is, especially among the guys that know we're not going and we're trying to to talk about the guys that we think are going and should go. It's kind of like a, well, we all like to play GM in the dugout, like, hey, who are we calling up, you know, and then that kind of stuff. This is similar, where, you know, where there's a lot of downtime. We're always spitballing back and forth. So we were headed to the field. It was in New York, and we got a text from Kapler saying, you know, 4.30 meeting in the locker room today. Automatically, we know that means we're hearing who the All-Stars are. So we just start talking about it, like, who do we think's in? Um and that, and between the 20 of us that aren't even in the running, we were all saying that we thought Estrada, Camilo, and probably one of JD or Lamont, but definitely three. We thought we had three of the five uh, getting in between the, the guys that I've talked about so far. And we only got Camilo. And obviously, we're pumped for Duvall. We're all going up and high five him. Kapler gives a great speech. Devi, uh, Camilo gives a great speech. Very exciting for him. And then two minutes later, we're all like, man, it's some BS. Like we got four other guys that deserve to be there. We're in the hunt for a division. We're a good team. We're kind of a fun team that people necessarily didn't think we'd be 10 games over 500, but we are. And um, we got some guys that should be rewarded from getting us there. And uh, it just didn't happen. So yeah, we're definitely all kind of talking behind the scenes saying this is some BS and and going up to those guys if you have a good relationship with them, which most of us do, of just saying like, man, you earned it. I'm sorry. I hope you find a way to sneak in there. Hey, I'm Rossi. Do you mind if I call you Rossi? It just seems natural because I, I feel like yeah, I've that, known you for years now. You and my mom. Yeah, you and my mom. Oh, I did, uh, that, yeah. Wow, I feel proud of Rossi. So you have six years, 115 days in the big leagues. Take me back to that first time you got drafted. Could you have pictured anything like this playing over six years, going on seven years in the big leagues? Like I know our dreams are to play, but that's a lot of years, man. People, you know, you don't take that for granted. Man, great question. You know, my, my story is kind of crazy. I did not, I didn't make varsity until I was a senior in high school. And I didn't pitch competitively until that year, until I was 18 years old. So pitching, was, I've kind of had to fall in love with it as I've gone. And, and I walked on to Texas A&M. I wasn't very good. I threw like eight innings as a freshman and then stayed, I was a senior sign. So the idea of the big leagues was very foreign to me. Uh, I didn't have a lot of like friends that were in the minor leagues. I didn't know anything about it. And all of a sudden I'm in Ogden, Utah, playing rookie ball, living by myself, homesick, trying to make friends. Uh, Most of that team was Latin. I didn't speak the language. I'm like, where am I right now? This is wild. And you really got to love it. And you really got to set some goals and, and know what your dreams are and to grind through the minor leagues and, man, you know, the quick way to answer your question is, is no, I, I really didn't think I'd get here. I, I, where I was always confident was I saw some guys make it to the big leagues or at least the higher levels of the minor leagues. And I could be like, okay, I can do what that, what those guys do. I can change speeds. I can change locations. Um, you know, I can, I can really command the baseball, but I didn't do anything super sexy. Uh, like I've already said, uh, we're talking about skills competition. So 
but I knew I, I had a chance. So I just kind of kept plugging away, grinding through a Tommy John surgery uh, while in the minor leagues. And now, man, like you said, uh, seven years later, went through arbitration into free agency, been on three amazing teams, had my family while I'm in baseball, uh, two young kids. So what it's given me, the friendships and the memories, uh, I can't imagine being anywhere else. But when I think of the 10 years that I've played professionally and what I've been through and what I've gotten here and, and how I've earned it, uh, very, very proud. But also, no, I'm very, very lucky and uh, just couldn't be more excited to be where I am, man. We got the draft coming up this weekend, too. And I know you'll be watching our draft special, which we'll get into more uh, throughout the week. What do you remember from draft day? And were there conversations going back and forth with the scouts, with the money, the whole deal? Because you were I know you, you were picked, what, 2011 and then picked and signed in 2012 in the fifth round. Yeah, so kind of what I just touched on my junior year. Uh, I didn't know anything about it, and I am playing in a regional game. I pitched against, like, Seton Hall in a regional game, and I come in, and I had gotten drafted in the ninth round. Didn't have an advisor, didn't know anything about it, got drafted in the ninth round. Hadn't talked to scouts. Uh, honestly, I look back and, like, just how naive I was. That's the wackiest thing. I, I didn't even have a clue. Got drafted. Uh, don't sign. Go back to school. Get my degree. And then this next year, I have an advisor more prepared for what's in front of me, and I get drafted by the Dodgers in the fifth round. But that was the first year of the new rules. So I was getting a ton of calls, uh, um, you know, where the top 10 rounds are slotted. So I don't think scouts or teams really knew exactly how it was going to work. So I was getting calls in like the second, third round saying like, Strip, will you sign for like 10 grand so we can, you know, save this money to use it on our ninth rounder? And uh, I was like, I mean, I guess I don't really want to. But yeah, of course, I'm going to go play. And I got maybe seven or eight calls like that that never came to fruition. And now I'm just like sitting around because I thought I was going to get drafted in the second or third round as like kind of this save money kind of guy for these teams. That didn't happen. So then now I'm like, oh, man, I, I have no idea when I'm going to get picked. Not a clue. And how you just listen to that thing that just says, you know, Los Angeles Dodgers select right handed pitcher, Ross Stripling out of Texas A&M. And we just like my whole family would just go crazy because like, it was that out of the blue. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never talked to a Dodger scout. And all of a sudden, I'm a Dodger. And two days later, I'm shipped out to Utah. I mean, it, it happens that fast, but it's also very exciting. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So with these kids coming up uh, in the next couple of days, they're going to get drafted, man. It's it's such awesome memories. And then uh, you enjoy it for, like, two days. And then you're off playing somewhere crazy, eating at Crackle Barrel and Applebee's. <laughs> so you didn't even know as a junior you were going to get drafted. But then you went – and didn't sign, take us through not signing. Is it because you were naive? Because yeah. you were like, I, I want to get this degree, so this is what matters to me? Or it wasn't enough money? It was a mixture of all those things. I'm a third-generation Aggie. For anyone that knows anything about Texas A&M, uh, I bleed maroon. My grandfather was a yell leader, those goofy people that wear all white and do our cheers on the sideline. Uh, my grandfather was one of those. My dad's an Aggie. My brother was already at A&M. I wanted my degree from A&M. Uh, that, that's the reason I walked on there. I had chances to play at other schools, and I was like, no, I'm going to go be an Aggie. Um, so I got drafted in the ninth round by the Rockies. The scout comes to my house, and he's like, all right, you know, this is great. We're going to sign you. We're going to send you straight to low A. We see you moving quickly. We think, you know, you're going to be great for it. And I would have to be like, whoa, 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 man. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not signing. And he was like, well, he was mad at me. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. And it blew his mind. I was the only ninth rounder that didn't sign. Uh, out of that draft. And then, um, so it was a mixture of things. That that 2011 A&M team went to the College World Series. Those are some of my best friends. I wanted to go back and, and make another run at that. And then I only needed like 12 hours to get my degree in finance, uh, which you guys, you know, phrase, you know, I'm passionate about. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, 
And yes. then, um, and then, uh, you know, it just didn't feel right. It wasn't life changing money as the ninth round and it didn't feel that right, like the right opportunity. It felt like that was maybe going to be there a calendar year later, which it was. And, and looking back, I don't regret it at all. Did you just tell us that your grandfather was a cheerleader? <laughs> <laughs> uh, essentially. Yeah. It's, it's A&M royalty. They're called yell leaders. Uh, anyone listening, Please YouTube them. They're goofy as hell, but they're very specific to Texas A&M. And there's only five of them a year. They get voted on by the whole student body. Uh, so it's a big deal. But yeah, essentially, that's what I told you. <laughs> Can you give us a little yell? Or like, like, how does it go? I'm kind of yeah. curious. Oh, man, there's a bunch of them. It's like, um, hey, gig em, Aggies, hey, woo, my dad. Oh, yeah. but, all right. There's a bunch of different hey. versions. Yeah, that's the that's the most basic one ne I could get. Ne yeah. Next time we have a break, <laughs> Scott. Next time we have a break, we'll go. We're going to <laughs> break. Yeah, I like that. You I like it. that. I like that. You do it. I'll do I'll it next time. I do it. I, I'll get smashed. Everyone loves you. That was solid. <laughs> hey, Ross. Let me take you to your former ball club, um, Toronto, because you played with Alec Manoa. He's gone through some shit this year, right? wasn't as good as he was last year they send him down work on things couple rehab outings and now he's we find out today being called back up he's going to start on friday so can you give us some insight on what he was like and what you've seen from that story you know what you expect from him because i mean th there's a few issues but the primary one is is the slider's not the same and so that's kind of messing up the rest of his stuff and and he just couldn't get it together so what do you think so he's one of my favorite people I've ever been around baseball, not baseball, whatever. He, he, he comes from a tough background in Miami, a uh, hard family dynamic growing up, but he could not have a better heart and just be a better teammate and be more of a competitor really. Um, you know, yes, he is like the classic young guy that comes in and just has no rules. He's not going to believe in whatever you're trying to tell him. He, 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 he was a big leaguer from the start, and he doesn't need uh, need you to tell him otherwise. And and he proved that for two two and a half seasons, whatever it was, finished second or third in the Cy Young last year. Um, I really do love Alec Manoa, so watching him struggle was, was tough for me. And and how I knew he was really battling is I was battling too. And I texted him, I was like, Hey, Manoa, I'm gonna sacrifice a goat to the baseball gods. Uh, if you want to join me, let me know. And he sent back something very matter of fact, like, Ha good one or something like that you know and I was like oh no like he's he's in a bad spot because normally he would have FaceTime me or, or sent something ridiculous back laughing and that's when I knew like you know he's really going through it as as we all know this game beats you down you can be at the very top of the mountain and the next day be at the very bottom and and he's kind of uh uh first um you know very good example of that now that we've seen and and I'm glad to hear he's back uh I hope that's not too fast you know just 10 days ago we all saw the line that he gave up 11 runs and like a Florida league game, but then I know he had a good one in double a, um, what I'll say is when he holds the ball, it looks like a ping pong ball. He's so big. You know, if you think about like Shaq shooting free throws, like I've always thought, like, how does he throw a baseball? It's literally like us trying to throw a golf ball. Um, but he's such a competitor, man. I would never doubt him. And I, I, even when you are, are struggling mentally and physically, there's guys like Clayton Kershaw, like Alec Manoa, Max Scherzer, that when you put them between the lines, uh, you're just not going to bet against them because they just go to another level competitively. He's got that in him. So I, I certainly think brighter things are ahead than what we've seen this year for him. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough to get thrown back in the fire like that. I obviously really hope it goes well for him.
you touched on it a little bit. You said 10 days ago we saw that outing. Is two, is two outings not enough? Or can you find, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you know what he's struggling with, but you can feel that he was struggling. Does Can you figure that out in two outings? Or is that really tough to figure something out in two outings in the minor leagues? Great question. It, it very much depends on what it is. Um, you know, I, I, I was battling some stuff this year and kind of tweaked my back. And then I got basically a month of rehab outings to kind of get my stuff right. And I found it, you know, I would say after two outings, I felt ready to go, but I also have a couple hundred big league innings under my belt. And I kind of know when I'm right at the end of the day, Manoa's been a professional baseball player for like three years and two and a half of them have been in the big leagues, you know? So his ability to figure stuff out is probably not totally under his belt yet. He needs coaching and reps and all that to get back to where he feels normal. I will say no, you know, at the most basic level, I would say that's not enough time, but I also very much hope that he did figure it out and kind of what I just touched on. I think confidence is a big thing for him and that if he feels remotely like himself and like his stuff is going to go where he wants it to, and then you put him under the lights competing against big league hitters, I think he's going to succeed because he has that kind of, um, he has a dog in him, as the kids like to say. So I just think, um, you know, I, I, I hope he's figured it out to answer your question, but it is quick. Ross, what do the Giants need at the trade deadline? What, 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 you said you play GM in the dugout, you play manager in the yeah. dugout. So what's the move? Gosh, great question. Um, you know, I, I feel like this roster – can compete with anyone. And we've showed it. I think we were the best team in baseball for like a four or five week span after starting seven and 16 or whatever it was. So we've proven that when we're healthy, we can, we can hang with anybody. We haven't been healthy. Like really we haven't ran our lineup out there more than like three games at a time. Tyro Estrada just got hit by a pitch, broke his hand. He's going to be out till, you know, significantly after the all-star break. I think it's like, gosh, one blow after another. I don't know if we've, we, you know, we go out and we bring seven starters into spring training, starting pitchers. And I don't know if we've been healthy besides for the first week. So we're just battling injuries. You can always take more, more talent though, man. You know, you're, you're seeing guys like Bieber and Stroman that might be on the, on the market. I think obviously we're going to be in the hunt for them. Um, and then any kind of back end relievers, any, even though I feel like our, our bullpen is, is solid. Um, anytime you can add velo or strikeout stuff to a bullpen, you're going to try and do it. And then, um, as a lineup, you know, I, I, I would love to see what's maybe on Farhan's mind, but anytime you can add pop and, or, or speed or, or anything, you'll take that as well. So it's just like we're, we're really well, like, rounded roster, right? But you can always get better. So I think really to answer your question, you can, uh, you can strengthen us in any way, shape, or form, and we'd obviously take it and move forward with it. That was such a that vanilla answer. Is that answer. the broadest answer you could have? Yeah, that was such a vanilla answer. answer. And I know Farhan's is going to ask you because I played for Farhan in his first few, in his, I think his first year or first, second year, something like that with the Giants. He's going to come and ask you. You've been on so many teams. He's going to come and ask you what you think about this guy. Which one of your ex-teammates do you feel like would fit and is available on your team? Gosh, great question. Well, the – the beauty of my career is I've only played for really great teams. So if you're talking about Dodgers and Blue Jays, I don't think they're two teams that are going to be selling at the deadline. So uh, I can't exactly go pick any guy. You know, if you can give me Kershaw at the deadline, I'll take him. I think he'll fit in well on the Giants. He looked good in, in the black and orange. Um, you know, but, man, to think about ex-teammates, I'm sure there's, really, you know, like a, what, what's Boston doing with, like, 
I don't know, Kike or Justin Turner or Kenley Jansen or, or Verdugo. Like, give me Verdugo, man. We'll plug him in there in the in the two hole. He'll hit 300 with a couple pumps and, and make any team better that he's on. So, yeah, how about, how about uh, off the top of my head? Yeah, well, I didn't play with Scherzer. I thought you played with Scherzer, so that's why I said Scherzer. Yeah, no, I was I was gone by the time he made it. You to missed LA. him. Yeah. Okay. Last last question for me. I, all I'm going to say is thumbs up or thumbs down. Has money been going up for you or down for you? That's what I need to know. There we're we always, go. We're always moving up, Frage. Always moving up. All right. So market's healthy-ish. Uh, you know, you remember you yell at me because <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to ask the wrong question. So. No, no, that's all. That. Well, you this, can say market. This, I could be talking about This feels a little bit like an uncorrected. This feels like a uh, uncorrected move upwards that uh, we might be in for some pain here soon. If Ooh. you know, basically, if someone comes out and says. It's hard to monetize artificial intelligence. We're going to be in for some pain. <laughs> that AI is real deal, man. Yeah, it is real. Wait, yeah. Also, I got a, a, a correction here from the staff behind the scenes. You actually did play with Max Scherzer. Do you remember? Bad uh, is it an all-star game? Yeah. yeah. That counts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That lived up to the hype in every way. I'm sorry if I got to go, but I got to tell this quick story. Um, no, Seager was an all-star. So Scherzer was starting that game, and Scherzer's pre-pitch routine is the most incredible thing, and I won't get into all of it. But essentially, Seager was like, you got to try and give him a high five because he, he will not high five people before he pitches, even in an all-star game. And uh, I was like, well, how'd you find that out? And he's like, well, I tried it the hard way. And I was like, all right, I got to do it. So Scherzer goes through this crazy pre-pitch routine where he like lays his jersey out. He goes crazy to heavy metal music. And he's like getting into his Scherzer craziness. And he goes and he warms up. And I'm headed out to the bullpen while he's coming back to the dugout to start the game. And I'm like 20 feet away and I already have my hand up. Just a big smile, just like this. Just waiting for him. And he just walks right by me and he goes, don't dab me before the game. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like yes. Well, that's exactly what I wanted. So that lived up to the hype in every way. That is awesome. That Kratz, that's got you written all over it. That is definitely something you would have done, no? Yeah. I would 100% have stolen his hand and slapped myself in the face with it. Like, come on, bro. You can give, a, you can give somebody a high five. Do you feel like you would have been better if you would be more Scherzer in your starts? Do you think that's – Something that you need no, exactly. No, it'd be fake. It'd be fake for me. Like I from guys like him and Kershaw, it's real, man. They they have to go to these dark places to compete the way that they compete. I mean, they they've been so good for so long. If they give up two runs, that's a fail, you know, in in their book and in the in the in their fans' eyes and their fan base's eyes. Versus me, if I give up two, I'm you know, I'm I'm going to the I'm going to the bars after and celebrating with anyone that wants to come. So it's uh it's just like different completely different where they have to go competitively versus me. It'd be, if I did that, it'd just be fake. It'd look stupid. Everyone would realize I'm just being, being weird. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. Hey, Ross, no, nah, it was worth the, uh, the extra minute there on the story, dude. Appreciate <laughs> you as, as always keep doing your thing with San Francisco. Keep the winning up for the boys. All right. All right. Appreciate it guys. See y'all next time.